0: Lakers beat the Heat 106 93 in game six of the NBA Finals to capture their 17th title, LeBron James, Finals MVP. That's his fourth. That's also his fourth title. This is big for Laker Nation with the untimely death of Kobe Bryant, along with the others who died in that terrible helicopter accident. If you're a Laker fan, if you're part of Laker Nation, this doesn't make you forget the tragedy and those great losses, but maybe it makes your heart a little less heavy. And in terms of just being a sports fan, the Lakers have tied the Celtics with 17 titles. And if you look at the modern era, the Lakers are by and far the greatest franchise in all of sports. This is a big win for LeBron going forward. LeBron is still playing out his story. LeBron is on a mission. LeBron James, when it's all said and done, wants to be known as the greatest player to ever play the game of basketball. I'm one of those people. I believe his story is playing out, and and he very well may end up the GOAT. His body of work, it speaks for himself. It really does. Think about this. 16-time All-Star. 16-time All-NBA. Rookie of the Year. 4 times Finals MVP. Four-time Finals Champ. He won the scoring title in 07-08. Six-time All-NBA Defense. Three-time All-Star MVP. And obviously he's won Four regular season MVPs. If you've been following his career, what you know about LeBron James is you can look at the regular season MVPs and nobody will argue he should have more than four. But if I'm playing devil's advocate, there's another guy who should have more than five. I think the big deal, the brilliance of this season was In year 17, what I thought was most impressive, he's always been known as a very good passer, an elite passer, great court vision. He averaged 10 assists a game this season, and to me that's impressive. 25 points, 10 assists, 8 rebounds. And then he had the ultimate sidekick in Anthony Davis, who can be impactful and dominant on offense as well as defense. I've said it before. I have no problem saying it again. I thought Giannis would win Defensive Player of the Year, but if AD had have won it, you would have gotten no argument from me. I thought he was just as worthy. And if we gave out awards in the postseason, AD would have been Defensive Player of the Year. This was big going forward also when you look at Frank Vogel, his first championship as a head coach. For- First championship for AD, first championship for a veteran like Dwight Howard, a big up for Caldwell Pope. Rajon Rondo adds another title to his resume. Going forward, when you look at this Lakers team, yes, it's an older team, but I think the Lakers do have some flexibility. I think they're going to be in a position to make a few moves to tweak the roster a little bit. And be a little bit better going forward. As far as that mythical goat debate, here's the thing. For too many people, it really is kind of an emotional thing. And the logic is all over the place. So so many people make straw man arguments. I've heard the argument, LeBron James has gone to 10 NBA, NBA Finals. And Michael Jordan has only only gone to six. Those are facts. LeBron has gone to 10. He went to nine straight at one point. Beat the 73-win Warriors, which is a great accomplishment. Arguably maybe the greatest finals victory in NBA history. His overall resume, his body of work. And I would say this, when you're starting to compare great players Don't get wrapped up too much in error. Get wrapped up in, yes, who they competed against, who they competed with, and what they did with the opportunities they had. Numbers do have value. And I don't think there's a player in NBA history that's a greater stat stuffer than LeBron James. Someone who has the ability to get you 30 but at the same time get you eight or nine assists. Get you another eight rebounds. Can play every position on the floor. A versatile player. Also, when he's locked in, one of the top defenders at one point in his career in the NBA. And one of those kind of guys that can create for others ahead of time. LeBron was a lot like Magic Johnson. He could see movement, he can see plays play out he's three or four plays ahead of most players. That's an instinct. That's just something that's within him. Going forward, and I know, look, I know a lot of people want to say, if you don't think LeBron James is the greatest, then automatically by default, you don't like him. You're a hater. I just laid out everything great about him. I just gave you his resume, and it's incredibly impressive. And as I stated before, He's not done. This career is still ongoing. Who's to say he doesn't end up in another NBA Finals, win another Finals MVP? He's not done yet. For his career, LeBron James averages 27 points, 8 assists, and just under 11 rebounds in the postseason. Shoots almost 50% from the floor, a little bit under 34% from three. That kind of production, that stepping up when the money's on the line, that's what gets you called one of the greatest, if not the greatest. I'm acknowledging how great I think he is. Do I think he's the greatest? I don't. But that doesn't mean when it's all said and done, he won't be. I just don't think he's the greatest this day. I look at a guy like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and look at his resume, his basketball resume, because that's what we're talking about, the greatest basketball player of all time, not just the greatest pro basketball player of all time. Three NCAA championships, three NCAA Final Fours MVP. He also won... Regular season MVP in the NCAA three times. The only reason he didn't win four national championships is they did not allow freshmen to play on the varsity. That's the only thing that prevented that. His first year, his rookie season in the NBA, he takes the Milwaukee Bucks to the conference finals at age 22. Obviously, he wins rookie of the year. His second season in the league, He wins regular season MVP and finals MVP as he leads the Bucs to their first and only only NBA title. His third year in the league, they're back in the conference finals. He's 24. His His fifth and sixth years in the league, he takes them back to the finals his sixth year in the league, loses in game seven to the Boston Celtics, He won regular season MVP that year as well. Think about how his career started off. Two trips to the finals, a finals MVP, and three regular season MVPs. Then he goes to the Lakers, wins three more MVPs and five more titles, not to mention another finals MVP. And then there's the other accolades. 19-time All-Star. 11 time All NBA defense led the league in scoring twice, led the league in blocks four times, 15 time All NBA, and of course, he made the All Rookie team his rookie season, six time regular season MVP. I don't know this for sure, but the fact that he won three MVPs with two different franchises, I'm pretty sure. No one else in NBA history has done that. That, to me, what I just read off, is the resume of someone who's the GOAT. And not just when he was younger. It was how he aged over the course of his career. At age 35, remember, when you're at big, we've always talked about this, even in today's game, even if they step away, bigs, more times than not, have to have the brawl brought to them. At age 35, he averages 22 points, 7 rebounds, 2 blocks. At age 36, 22, seven, 7, and 2 blocks. At age 37, 22 and 8. Age 38, 23 and 6 rebounds and 2 blocks. That's at age 38. He was a finals MVP at age 23. And then again at age 38. And yes, Magic Johnson obviously was a part, a big part of what they were able to accomplish. People will tell you Kareem needed magic. Magic needed Kareem. Magic came into the league, and Kareem, Jamal Wilkes, Norm Nixon were already there. And Kareem in game five of the 1980 finals. When the series was tied 2-2, goes for 41 points, 15 rebounds, and four blocks to give the Lakers a 3-2 lead. He'd get injured late in that game, couldn't play, which sets up what Magic did in game six, that amazing performance at age 20, 42 points, 15 rebounds, and seven assists, jumping center. Had Kareem not gone down, he's your finals MVP. The man was averaging 34 and 14 for that series when he went down. I think LeBron is great. I think he's one of the top three greatest players of all time. And if I tell you he's top three all time, you can disagree. You might have him one or two. But if you disagree, just say, I think he's better because of this reason. And we, we might just agree to disagree. But if I say he's top three all time, In no way is that hating or disrespecting him. What I'm respecting is the greatness and longevity of someone who I think basketball resume far exceeds LeBron's, whose basketball resume far exceeds Michael Jordan's. If you want to talk Jordan and LeBron, to me, their debate is for who's number two all time. And I've got Jordan at number two. And no, I'm not one of those that think six titles is like 100 titles. That's silly, and it's one of those straw man, nonsensical arguments. It's it's like saying, well, other than scoring, what does Michael Jordan do better than LeBron James? LeBron is a great player, a great all-around player. If you wanted to ask me who I thought was the better all-around player, I think LeBron is a better all-around player than Michael Jordan. But if you break down basketball at its core, what it's about, not all the little nuances, but what it's about at its core, it's about getting buckets. I've said this before, and it's about getting stops. Michael Jordan was better at getting buckets, and Michael Jordan was better at getting stops. And he showed you that. As great as LeBron is, that block against Golden State, I think, is one of the best defensive plays I've ever seen. No question. But what Michael Jordan did in the 98 finals was more impressive. He scores to bring them within a point, comes down, gets the steal from Malone, no timeout, And then you get that transcendent moment when he dips one way, crosses Byron Russell, and raises up, ball game. That's another thing about great players. There have been so many in the NBA. It's crazy. People forget about the greatness of Dr. J. What about I- Allen Iverson? What about George Gervin, the Iceman? Even a guy who maybe was saddled with injuries, but when he was when he was right before injuries broke him down, David Thompson, Tracy McGrady, Grant Hill. Think about how many clutch shots Paul Pierce has made. What Dwayne Wade was able to do against the Mavericks in 06. What Wade was in his prime before injuries took away his athleticism. How great a player he was on both ends of the floor. What about big game James Worthy and Dominique Wilkins? There's been so many. How come Tim Duncan... Is left out of every conversation. I know Tim Duncan is not the sexiest player when it comes to entertainment value. He's not going to fly in the air, and and he's not going to cross nobody up. But he's going to win, and he's going to impact the game on both ends. I'm not sure why Tim Duncan gets no love. And what about Kobe? Look, at, there's no question, Kobe Bryant is one of the 10 greatest players of all time. I'm a diehard Laker fan, and I don't think I'm biased if I say he's top 10. He's top 10 because he's earned that. He's top 10 because of what he did, not just in entertainment value, but how many incredible shots he made, how many incredible performances he gave you, not just in the regular season, but in the postseason. To this day, My favorite Kobe postseason moment, it's not the two titles he won with Gasol. I love that. I did. Maybe the best pass I've ever seen was the pass where he looked like he was from another planet and he spun and set up Gasol for a dunk on a fast break. That was amazing. No, it was what he did at age 21 against the Indiana Pacers in the finals when Shaq had fouled out. And Pacer Nation was going crazy because they just knew. They had him. They had the Lakers. And Kobe just looked to the sideline and just gave him, I got this. 21 years old on the biggest stage, and he took over. And from that point on, I knew that dude right there was next level. I know Shaq was the driving force and was the first thing you had to deal with with the 3 Pete Lakers, but Kobe Bryant was the closer. Shaq would put up the gaudy numbers, and Shaq was a dominant player. But in those final two minutes, when you could double Shaq and Kobe had to go to work, Kobe was on Shaq's level. He was every bit as important. I'm saying that because I've heard people say LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan, but go crazy when they say LeBron James is better than Kobe Bryant. And I love Kobe, but Kobe's not better than Jordan. And I'm not sure why you'd be offended having LeBron over Kobe. Not when you look at their body. And they both have great body of works. And Kobe was great late into his career, to a point. He really was, until he had the Achilles tear, obviously. And that changed everything. But up until then, he was still one of the top players in the NBA. He was still that guy. I guess my point is this. It is an emotional thing for most fans when you start talking about why isn't Larry Bird thought of as the GOAT or someone like from back in the day like Havlicek. How come we don't respect Bill Russell for his 11 titles? I actually do respect him. I I can't quantify how that translates to today's game. And that's not fair to him. And I'm being real. How how is he not respected more? How come a guy like Wilt Chamberlain is seen as great, but never thought of as the GOAT? Because the argument, because people always say, well, it shouldn't just be about rings. Well, that would apply to Wilt, right? He doesn't have the most titles, but his numbers in comparison to everybody, including LeBron, are video game numbers. And we don't call Wilt the GOAT. So make up your mind. It's it's numbers or it's titles or it's both. Because if it's both, then that's why Kareem's number one to me. And that's why LeBron has time to catch Michael Jordan and maybe time to catch Kareem. But to say that he's number three in my book, I don't feel like I'm disrespecting him. Because my favorite player of all time is Magic Johnson who I think was a great leader. I think LeBron is a very good leader. I don't think he's a greater leader than Magic, but I think he was a great leader. And basketball at times can actually come down to a one-on-one matchup, but it doesn't literally play out like that all the time. You put Magic Johnson on the floor with LeBron James and eight other dudes and Magic Johnson will hold his own. Basketball, it's great to be athletic and quick and can hang in the air, but it's not a combine. It's a game that can be played with your mind as well. And there's no measurement for that thing that we call your heart. There's no measurement. There really isn't. I've seen what Magic Johnson can do playing alongside another great player. I've seen what he could do when it was him in a depleted Laker roster that ended up in the NBA Finals. It's actually my favorite Magic Johnson season. When they met the Bulls in 91, that Laker team had no business being in the NBA Finals. He just willed them there versus a much talented, more athletic, younger Portland team. That's how great a player he was. He could think the game. And what he lacked in athleticism, his basketball IQ, his know of the game, when people move, how he anticipated movement and saw things ahead of time, that's what made him great. So, tomorrow, while Laker Nation celebrates, and to some degree still mourn with a heavy heart those losses and that tragic accident, when you hear all the different pundits, I don't care if it's Skip Bayless, who, by the way, let me put it out there right now. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to him, not because he's a Michael Jordan fan. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't listen to him because he doesn't make sensical arguments. His arguments about LeBron or Kareem or anybody else versus Michael Jordan, they don't make any sense at all. I don't think you can judge players coming from someone who's not willing to listen to the other side. You can't have that conversation. And and while he may be the worst, he's not worse than Nick Wright. Shannon Sharp's a good dude. Entertaining is all you know what. But he's so far in the LeBron zone, at times, he's not even in the middle ground. What I would say is this. Don't get caught up in LeBron went to 10 finals and only won four. Do it the other way around. He went to 10 finals. He won four. Michael Jordan didn't go to 10 finals. But the opportunities he got, he won six. Kareem went to 10. The opportunity he had out of those 10, he won six. It doesn't mean LeBron isn't worthy of the conversation. And I'm going to remind everybody again. What he was able to accomplish this season and tonight, that's not the end of his career. He's not done. That's my whole thing. Whatever you see on Kareem's resume, that's it. I can't add to it. Same for Jordan. Same for Magic. But LeBron can continue to add to his. And If we're breaking it down to longevity, he's already won that. There's no question he's won that. And I'm not going to get into the Max Kellerman, the highest high argument. I I understand that point. And and there's, there's something to say about that. But I don't think that's everything. The same way I don't think numbers are everything. I think you have to include all of it. All of it. Do errors matter? I think you have to weigh errors, but you can't – I can't take away from your error. It's your error. It's where you're at. It's where the game has changed. It's not LeBron's fault that the NBA implemented those rule changes. They actually I, – I think they implemented them in 02, But in terms of actually taking effect, they didn't take effect until 06. Trust me. Go back and watch that Miami series – Versus the Mavericks, what you saw as great as D-Wade was, that was the NBA going forward in terms of calls on perimeter players. And it's actually gotten it worse. But that's not on LeBron. That's the way the league wanted it because they wanted to encourage offense. They wanted to encourage scoring. And they wanted the game to be more free-flowing. Look at the 80s. Look at the 90s. There were great players. There were great perimeter players, but a lot of them, in some ways, because of the way the game was played, you never get to see the best version of them, because it was so physical. It was such a grind. Every game was Greco-Roman wrestling. It was how many times you saw a game go eighty-five to eighty, or games that actually played into the seventies. It was just that style. And look, it wasn't a pretty brand of basketball. Trust me you can watch it you can get caught up in it but it wasn't that entertaining i mean it was i'll give it this in terms of intensity the 80s and 90s especially the 90s were much more intense but in terms of entertainment value watching the game letting guys be able to actually play freely and and actually show their talents their skill sets their versatility This current NBA encourages and allows for that. LeBron James is one of the greatest players in NBA history. And when it's all said and done, he's going to have a legit shot to be the greatest player of all time. But if you're asking me who's the GOAT this day, it's the same guy I thought was a GOAT five years ago. Nothing's changed for me. It's Kareem. And for all you Jordan fans, sorry, Mike's a great player. But I think he's number two in this conversation. That's me. Now, I was supposed to get into, is Doc Rivers the right coach for the Sixers? What I will say is this, with the current roster, the way they're currently structured, if Doc takes over, and obviously he they, they, they've hired him, but what I'm saying is if he's able to make changes or, or at least give his opinion on the current roster and they make major changes, then maybe the Sixers can elevate themselves. And maybe, because I think Doc is a great motivator. I'm not sure he's that great a strategic coach or in terms of adjustments from game to game, but I think he is a great motivator. But their current roster, the way they're structured with Simmons, Embiid, and Tobias Harris and Al Horford, all that money tied up in their four players. And two of those players are young and talented and can get better. And Tobias Harris on most teams is a very good third option. Very good third option. You can usually book him for 20 points a game, 47% from the field, about 37 from three. But in the postseason, especially the last two with the Sixers, he goes to 15 points a game. He shoots 40% from the field. His threes go to 30%. His rebounds and assists go up. But that's not because he's playing a floor game. It's because he's deferring more. It's because he has less confidence in himself. In a year, or in a postseason, I should say, minus Ben Simmons, They needed Tobias Harris to average 25 points or more a game, and he went the other way. I don't know what type of moves they're going to make, but if Doc Rivers is going to be an upgrade for Brett Brown, they've got to change the makeup of this roster. They need more perimeter talent, and when I mean more perimeter talent, I mean another guy that can beat you off the dribble and get buckets. And they only have one guy that can beat you up the dribble, and he can't shoot. And they don't have a lot of shooting on the team. So I don't care who the coach is, actually. If they don't make serious roster updates, the Sixers will be a first-round exit next season as well. Hey, that's the NBA cipher for this week. I'm sure we can get back into the GOAT conversation but this is the last time I'm gonna talk about it for for this year because you know like I know that's a yearly thing hell at sometimes during the course of some seasons it's a weekly thing it's the NBA cipher next time <laughs>